0: Question sixty five of Summa Theologica Prima Secunde Treaties on Habits in Particular Good Habits, that is, Virtues This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Summa Theologica Prima Secunde Treaties on Habits in Particular Good Habits, that is Virtues, by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 65. Of the connection of virtues, in five articles. We must now consider the connection of virtues, under which head there are five points of inquiry. First, whether the moral virtues are connected with one another. Second, whether the moral virtues can be without charity. Third, whether charity can be without them. Fourth, whether faith and hope can be without charity. Fifth, whether charity can be without them. First article, whether the moral virtues are connected with one another. Objection 1 it would seem that the moral virtues are not connected with one another. Because moral virtues are sometimes caused by the exercise of acts, as is proved in Ethics to 1 and 2. But man can exercise himself in the acts of one virtue without exercising himself in the acts of some other virtue. Therefore, it is possible to have one moral virtue without another. Objection to, further... Magnificence and magnanimity are moral virtues. Now a man may have other moral virtues without having magnificence or magnanimity. For the philosopher says in Ethics 4, 2 and 3 that a poor man cannot be magnificent, and yet he may have other virtues. And in Ethics 4 that he who is worthy of small things, and so accounts his worth, is modest but not magnanimous. Therefore, the moral virtues are not connected with one another. Objection 3. Further, as the moral virtues perfect the appetitive part of the soul, so do the intellectual virtues perfect the intellective part. But the intellectual virtues are not mutually connected, since we have one science without having another neither therefore are the moral virtues connected with one another objection for further if the moral virtues are mutually connected this can only be because they are united together in prudence but this does not suffice to connect the moral virtues together for seemingly one may be prudent about things to be done in relation to one virtue without being prudent in those that concern another virtue, even as one may have the art of making certain things, without the art of making certain others. Now prudence is right reason about things to be done. Therefore, the moral virtues are not necessarily connected with one another. On the contrary, Ambrose says, on Luke 6, verse 20, the virtues are connected and linked together, so that whoever has one is seen to have several. And Augustine says, in On the Trinity, six, four, that the virtues that reside in the human mind are quite inseparable from one another. And Gregory says, in his commentary on Job twenty two one, that one virtue without the other is either of no account whatever, or very imperfect. And Cicero says in his Tusculan Disputations, too, if you confess to not having one particular virtue, it must needs be that you have none at all. I answer that moral virtue may be considered either as perfect or as imperfect. An imperfect moral virtue, temperance for instance, or fortitude, is nothing but an inclination in us to do some kind of good deed, whether such inclination be in us by nature or by habituation. If we take the moral virtues in this way, they are not connected, since we find men who, by natural temperament or by being accustomed, are prompt in doing things of liberality, but are not prompt in doing deeds of chastity. But the perfect moral virtue is a habit, that inclines us to do a good deed well. And if we take moral virtues in this way, we must say that they are connected, as nearly as all are agreed in saying. For these two reasons are given, corresponding to the different ways of assigning the distinction of the cardinal virtues. For, as we stated above in question 61, articles 3 and 4, some distinguish them according to certain general properties of virtues. For instance, by saying that discretion belongs to prudence, rectitude to justice, moderation to temperance, and strength of mind to fortitude, in whatever matter we consider these properties to be. In this way, the reason for the connection is evident, for strength of mind is not commended as virtuous if it be without moderation or rectitude or discretion, and so forth. This, too, is the reason assigned for the connection by Gregory, who says in the commentary on Job 22, one, that a virtue cannot be perfect, as a virtue, if isolated from the others, for there can be no true prudence without temperance, justice, and fortitude. And he continues to speak in like manner of the other virtues. Augustine also gives the same reason in On the Trinity 6.4. Others, however, differentiate these virtues in respect of their matters, and it is in this way that Aristotle assigns the reason for their connection in Ethics 613. Because, as stated above, in question 58, article 4, no moral virtue can be without prudence, since it is proper to moral virtue to make a right choice, for it is an elective habit. Now right choice requires not only the inclination to a due end, which inclination is the direct outcome of moral virtue, but also correct choice of things conducive to the end, which choice is made by prudence, that counsels, judges, and commands in those things that are directed to the end. In like manner, one cannot have prudence unless one has the moral virtues since prudence is right reason about things to be done and the starting-point of reason is the end of the thing to be done to which end man is rightly disposed by moral virtue hence just as we cannot have speculative science unless we have the understanding of the principles so neither can we have prudence without the moral virtues and from this it follows clearly that the moral virtues are connected with one another reply to objection one some moral virtues perfect man as regards his general state in other words with regard to those things which have to be done in every kind of human life hence man needs to exercise himself at the same time in the matters of all moral virtues and if he exercise himself by good deeds in all such matters he will acquire the habits of all the moral virtues. But if he exercise himself by good deeds in regard to one matter, but not in regard to another, for instance, by behaving well in matters of anger, but not in matters of concupiscence, he will indeed acquire a certain habit of restraining his anger. But this habit will lack the nature of virtue, through the absence of prudence which is wanting in matters of concupiscence in the same way natural inclinations fail to have the complete character of virtue if prudence be lacking but there are some moral virtues which perfect man with regard to some eminent state such as magnificence and magnanimity and since it does not happen to all in common to be exercised in the matter of such virtues, it is possible for a man to have the other moral virtues without actually having the habits of these virtues, provided we speak of acquired virtue. Nevertheless, when once a man has acquired those other virtues, he possesses these in proximate potentiality. Because when, by practice, a man has acquired liberality in small gifts and expenditure, if he were to come in for a large sum of money he would acquire the habit of magnificence with but little practice. Even as a geometrician, by dint of little study, acquires scientific knowledge about some conclusion which had never been presented to his mind before. Now we speak of having a thing when we are on the point of having it according to the saying of the philosopher in Physics 256. That which is scarcely lacking is not lacking at all. This suffices for the reply to the second objection. Reply to objection three. The intellectual virtues are about diverse matters having no relation to one another, as is clearly the case with the various sciences and arts. Hence, we do not observe in them the connection that is to be found among the moral virtues, which are about passions and operations, that are clearly related to one another. For all the passions have their rise in certain initial passions, notably love and hatred, and terminate in certain others, notably pleasure and sorrow. In like manner, all the operations that are the matter of moral virtue are related to one another and to the passions. Hence the whole matter of moral virtues falls under the one rule of prudence. Nevertheless, all intelligible things are related to first principles, and in this way all the intellectual virtues depend on the understanding of principles, even as prudence depends on all the moral virtues as stated. On the other hand, the universal principles, which are the object of the virtue of understanding of principles, do not depend on the conclusions, which are the objects of the other intellectual virtues, as do the moral virtues depend on prudence, because the appetite, in a fashion, moves the reason, and the reason the appetite, as stated above, in question 9, article 1, as well as in question 58, article Five, First reply. Reply to objection for those things to which the moral virtues incline are as the principles of prudence, whereas the products of art are not the principles, but the matter of art. Now it is evident that, though reason may be right in one part of the matter and not in another, yet in no way can it be called right reason if it be deficient in any principle whatever. Thus, if a man be wrong about the principle, a whole is greater than its part. He cannot acquire the science of geometry, because he must necessarily wander from the truth in his conclusion. Moreover, things done are related to one another, but not things made, as stated above in the third reply. Consequently, the lack of prudence in one department of things to be done would result in a deficiency affecting other things to be done, whereas this does not occur in things to be made. Second Article. Whether moral virtues can be without charity. Objection 1. It would seem that the moral virtues can be without charity for it is stated in Prosper's Book of Sentences that every virtue save charity may be common to the good and bad. But charity can be in none except the good, as stated in the same book. Therefore, the other virtues can be had without charity. Objection to, further, moral virtues can be acquired by means of human acts as stated in Ethics 2, 1 and 2, whereas charity cannot be had otherwise than by infusion, according to Romans 5, 5. The charity of God is poured forth in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given to us. Therefore, it is possible to have the other virtues without charity. Objection 3. Further, the moral virtues are connected together through depending on prudence but charity does not depend on prudence indeed it surpasses prudence according to ephesians three nineteen the charity of christ which surpasseth all knowledge therefore the moral virtues are not connected with charity and can be without it on the contrary it is written in 1 John 3, verse 14, He that loveth not abideth in death. Now the spiritual life is perfected by the virtues, since it is by them that we lead a good life, as Augustine says in On the Free Will, two, seventeen and 19. Therefore they cannot be without the love of charity i answer that as stated above in question sixty three article two it is possible by means of human works to acquire moral virtues in so far as they produce good works that are directed to an end not surpassing the natural power of man and when they are acquired in us they can be without charity even as they were in many of the gentiles but in so far as they produce good works in proportion to a supernatural last end, thus they have the character of virtue, truly and perfectly, and cannot be acquired by human acts, but are infused by God. Such like moral virtues cannot be without charity. For it has been stated above in Article 1, as well as in Question 58, Articles 4 and 5, that the other moral virtues cannot be without prudence, and that prudence cannot be without the moral virtues, because these latter make man well disposed to certain ends, which are the starting point of the procedure of prudence. Now for prudence to proceed aright, it is much more necessary that man be well disposed towards his ultimate end, which is the effect of charity, than that he be well disposed in respect of other ends which is the effect of moral virtue just as in speculative matters right reason has greatest need of the first indemonstrable principle that contradictories cannot both be true at the same time it is therefore evident that neither can infused prudence be without charity nor consequently the other moral virtues, since they cannot be without prudence. It is therefore clear from what has been said that only the infused virtues are perfect, and deserve to be called virtues simply, since they direct man well to the ultimate end. But the other virtues, those namely that are acquired, are virtues in a restricted sense, but not simply for they direct man well in respect of the last end in some particular genus of action, but not in respect of the last end simply. Hence a gloss of Augustine on the words All that is not of faith is sin, commenting on Romans 14.23, says, He that fails to acknowledge the truth has no true virtue, even if his conduct be good reply to objection 1 virtue in the words quoted denotes imperfect virtue else if we take moral virtue in its perfect sense it makes its possessor good and consequently cannot be in the wicked reply to objection 2 this argument holds good of virtue in the sense of acquired virtue reply to objection 3 Though charity surpass science and prudence, yet prudence depends on charity as stated, and consequently so do all the infused moral virtues. Third article, whether charity can be without moral virtue. Objection 1. It would seem possible to have charity without the moral virtues for when one thing suffices for a certain purpose it is superfluous to employ others now charity alone suffices for the fulfillment of all the works of virtue as is clear from first corinthians thirteen verse four and following charity is patient is kind etc therefore it seems that if one has charity other virtues are superfluous Objection to. Further, he that has a habit of virtue easily performs the works of that virtue, and those works are pleasing to him for their own sake. Hence, pleasure taken in a work is a sign of habit, as is stated in Ethics 2.3. Now many have charity, being free from mortal sin, and yet they find it difficult to do works of virtue nor are these works pleasing to them for their own sake but only for the sake of charity therefore many have charity without the other moral virtues objection three further charity is to be found in every saint and yet there are some saints who are without certain virtues for bede says in commenting on luke seventeen ten that the saints are more humbled on account of their not having certain virtues than rejoiced at the virtues they have therefore if a man has charity it does not follow of necessity that he has all the moral virtues on the contrary the whole law is fulfilled through charity for it is written in romans thirteen eight. He that loveth his neighbor hath fulfilled the law. Now, it is not possible to fulfill the whole law without having all the moral virtues, since the law contains precepts about all acts of virtue, as stated in Ethics 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, he that has charity has all the moral virtues. Moreover, Augustine says in his letter 167, that charity contains all the cardinal virtues i answer that all the moral virtues are infused together with charity the reason for this is that god operates no less perfectly in works of grace than in works of nature now in the works of nature we find that whenever a thing contains a principle of certain works it has also whatever is necessary for their execution. Thus animals are provided with organs whereby to perform the actions that their souls empower them to do. Now it is evident that charity, inasmuch as it directs man to his last end, is the principle of all the good works that are referable to his last end. Wherefore all the moral virtues must needs be infused together with charity, since it is through them that man performs each different kind of good work. It is therefore clear that the infused moral virtues are connected not only through prudence but also on account of charity, and again that whoever loses charity through mortal sin forfeits all the infused moral virtues. Reply to Objection 1. In order that the act of a lower power be perfect, not only must there be perfection in the higher, but also in the lower part. For if the principal agent were well disposed, perfect action would not follow if the instrument also were not well disposed. Consequently, in order that man work well in things referred to the end, he needs not only a virtue disposing him well to the end, but also those virtues which dispose him well to whatever is referred to the end for the virtue which regards the end is the chief and moving principle in respect of those things that are referred to the end therefore it is necessary to have the moral virtues together with charity reply to objection to it happens sometimes that a man who has a habit finds it difficult to act in accordance with the habit, and consequently feels no pleasure and complacency in the act on account of some impediment supervening from without. Thus a man who has a habit of science finds it difficult to understand through being sleepy or unwell. In like manner, sometimes the habits of moral virtue experience difficulty in their works by reason of certain ordinary dispositions remaining from previous acts this difficulty does not occur in respect of acquired moral virtue because the repeated acts by which they are acquired remove also the contrary dispositions reply to objection three certain saints are said not to have certain virtues in so far as they experience difficulty in the acts of those virtues for the reason stated, although they have the habits of all the virtues. Fourth article, whether faith and hope can be without charity. Objection 1. It would seem that faith and hope are never without charity, because, since they are theological virtues, they seem to be more excellent than even the infused moral virtues but the infused moral virtues cannot be without charity neither therefore can faith and hope be without charity objection to further no man believes unwillingly as augustine says in his commentary on john but charity is in the will as a perfection thereof as stated above in question 62, article 3. Therefore, faith cannot be without charity. Objection 3. Further, Augustine says in his Enchiridion 8 that there can be no hope without love. But love is charity, for it is of this love that he speaks. Therefore, hope cannot be without charity. On the contrary, a gloss on Matthew 1, verse 2, says that faith begets hope, and hope charity. Now the begetter precedes the begotten, and can be without it. Therefore, faith can be without hope, and hope without charity. I answer that, faith and hope, like the moral virtues, can be considered in two ways. First, in an inchoate state, secondly, as complete virtues. For since virtue is directed to the doing of good works, perfect virtue is that which gives the faculty of doing a perfectly good work, and this consists in not only doing what is good, but also in doing it well. Else, if what is done is good, but not well done, it will not be perfectly good. Wherefore, neither will the habit that is the principle of such an act have the perfect character of virtue. For instance, if a man do what is just, what he does is good, but it will not be the work of a perfect virtue unless he do it well, that is, by choosing rightly, which is the result of prudence for which reason justice cannot be a perfect virtue without prudence accordingly faith and hope can exist indeed in a fashion without charity but they have not the perfect character of virtue without charity for since the act of faith is to believe in god and since to believe is to assent to someone of one's own free will to will not as one ought will not be a perfect act of faith to will as one ought is the outcome of charity which perfects the will since every right movement of the will proceeds from a right love as augustine says in on the city of god fourteen nine hence faith may be without charity but not as a perfect virtue just as temperance and fortitude can be without prudence the same applies to hope, because the act of hope consists in looking to God for future bliss. This act is perfect if it is based on the merits which we have, and this cannot be without charity. But to expect future bliss through merits which one has not yet, but which one proposes to acquire at some future time, will be an imperfect act and this is possible without charity. Consequently, faith and hope can be without charity, yet without charity they are not virtues properly so called, because the nature of virtue requires that by it we should not only do what is good, but also that we should do it well, according to Ethics 2.6. Reply to Objection 1 moral virtue depends on prudence and not even infused prudence has the character of prudence without charity for this involves the absence of due order to the first principle notably the ultimate end on the other hand faith and hope as such do not depend either on prudence or charity so that they can be without charity although they are not virtues without charity as stated Reply to Objection 2. This argument is true of faith considered as a perfect virtue. Reply to Objection 3. Augustine is speaking here of that hope whereby we look to gain future bliss through merits which we have already, and this is not without charity. Fifth Article WHETHER CHARITY CAN BE WITHOUT FAITH AND HOPE OBJECTION 1 It would seem that charity can be without faith and hope. For charity is the love of God. But it is possible for us to love God naturally, without already having faith or hope in future bliss. Therefore, charity can be without faith and hope. OBJECTION 2 Further Charity is the root of all the virtues, according to Ephesians 3, verse 17, rooted and founded in charity. Now the root is sometimes without branches. Therefore, charity can sometimes be without faith and hope and the other virtues. Objection 3. Further, there was perfect charity in Christ. And yet he had neither faith nor hope because he was a perfect Comprehensor, as we shall explain further on in the third part, question 7, articles 3 and 4. Therefore, charity can be without faith and hope. On the contrary, the Apostle says in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith it is impossible to please God. And this evidently belongs most to charity according to Proverbs 8.17, I love them that love me. Again, it is by hope that we are brought to charity, as stated above in question sixty two article four. Therefore, it is not possible to have charity without faith and hope. I answer that charity signifies not only the love of God, but also a certain friendship with him, which implies, besides love, a certain mutual return of love, together with mutual communion, as stated in Ethics 8.2 That this belongs to charity is evident from 1 John 4.16, He that abideth in charity abideth in God, and God in him. And from 1 Corinthians 1.9, where it is written, God is faithful, by whom you are called unto the fellowship of his Son. Now this fellowship of man with God, which consists in a certain familiar colloquy with him, is begun here, in this life, by grace, but will be perfected in the future life by glory, each of which things we hold by faith and hope. Wherefore, just as friendship with a person would be impossible if one disbelieved in or despaired of the possibility of their fellowship or familiar colloquy, so too friendship with God, which is charity, is impossible without faith, so as to believe in this fellowship and colloquy with God, and to hope to attain to this fellowship. Therefore, charity is quite impossible without faith and hope reply to objection one charity is not any kind of love of god but that love of god by which he is loved as the object of bliss to which object we are directed by faith and hope reply to objection to charity is the root of faith and hope in so far as it gives them the perfection of virtue but faith and hope as such are the precursors of charity, as stated above in question 62, article 4, and so charity is impossible without them. Reply to objection 3. In Christ there was neither faith nor hope on account of their implying an imperfection, but instead of faith he had manifest vision and instead of hope full comprehension. So that in him was perfect charity. End of question sixty five read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.